This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. This episode is sponsored by Thrasher Coffee, so check out thrashercoffee.com for free shipping on the lifetime of your subscription. We'll get to that a little bit later on. This is episode number 30. I am Joe Darnell, your host, and with me is Joshua Pfeiffer. Welcome back. How are you doing? Hey, good evening, man. I'm uh, looking forward to some uh, free shipping on my coffee. Yeah, yeah. Bookmark that page so that you can uh, check it out when we get to the read a little bit later. But you got your normal bourbon drink tonight? Uh, I finished it up early, so I uh, had the wife go to the store for some wine. So yeah, winding down with some wine. You were telling me that you actually got a pretty big trip going uh, starting tomorrow. So we needed to record this episode so that you'd be free for your special vacation with the wife. Congratulations, man. I know that's going to be really important. The <laughs> other vacation not being the best with all the kids and all. We, we decided to divide and conquer and, and sent the kids in multiple directions to babysitters and, you know, friends of ours. And the wife and I are going to go up to New York City for a few days. Yeah, should be fun. I'll go ahead and introduce our guest now. With us tonight is one of my favorite people on podcasting and, well, just the internet in general. We got Brett Terpstra. If we had a drinking game, everybody would start now. Brett, <laughs> welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. You, uh, you're a pretty awesome character. You're, I say character because I think you're one of the most delightfully well-rounded people I've heard on podcasts. <laughs> you don't hold much back. I, I don't, I don't hold anything back and I don't know what everybody else is doing. So I'm kind of just a loud, slightly insane beacon off in the corner. <laughs> It works for me, though. Now, the reason that some people may already know you is because you've already, well, you've done pretty much everything. You've had your <laughs> your fingerprints on everything on the internet. You had something to do with Engadget. Did you actually co-found Engadget? What's the story there? No, no. The current version that's up on the web, I helped build from scratch, and I was uh, I maintained the previous version prior to the Verge split. That's pretty awesome. So yeah, I was I was tech lead at AOL at that point, working in the content division. So Tua and Joystick and Massively and and Gadget were kind of my purview. I don't think you were doing enough at the time. <laughs> Do you have like each one of those websites on separate monitors on your on your desk just to keep track of everything? They were kind enough to only assign us one project at a time. So we would like shift. We would take like shifts on each site. So you would see like Tua update. And then three months later, you'd see Engadget update, etc. Mm. And speaking of Tua, you actually did some writing there because not only are you a decent coder, you're a pretty, pretty decent writer. And actually, I had written Mood Blast a long, long time ago. And David Chartier at Tua started blogging about that. And then he left Tua and he suggested I take his place. And that was kind of the beginning of everything I do now. Okay. So that maybe kind of led into your personal website where you offer a lot of resources and tools and bring people uh, some good tips and how to's. There's a convergence there. Cause I was running the uh, circle six design blog at the time, which is now gone. I lost the domain, but, uh, but that was where like mood blast. And I think the, Earliest versions of Notational Velocity Alt, who now known as Envy Alt, kind of started. But then, yeah, it all converged into my blogging at Tua and then BrettTerpster.com, which now houses all of that. Now, not only have you had things to do in the back end of many great websites that we know and love, I, you know, I don't follow Engadget every day, but I have them in my Twitter stream. And if there's something awesome, I'll check it out. We also, though, have the great tools that you've provided, like you've got Mart and Mart2. 
which is really excellent. Thanks. And it's something a little bit more historical, but I still think it's relevant today is NVAlt. I, I've used both of these products off and on for different needs and different contexts. I just got to say, man, like I think that whether or not you get the credit where credit is due, that products like NVAlt are responsible for a lot of the thinking that goes into other note-taking apps today. I mean, I cannot think of a, a better app to point to when I say, you know, this reminds me of something, this thing in Evernote, what were, what were they thinking? Oh, it was like this other thing I've seen in NVAlt. Like, it, like, I know it's not the same at all. The program is so is far more streamlined, but it's like the grandfather of note-taking apps of this generation. But I have to then redirect that because NVAlt is the alternative to NV, which was notational velocity. But see, now that's the thing. I jumped on the bandwagon with NVAlt, and I don't really know much about notational velocity. Can you explain that part of the story? The really beautiful parts of NVAlt are things like modal, note entry, and just the speed of the search index. And that was all, that was notational velocity. Everything that I added after that, I we improved, David Halter and I improved like the text editing the markdown features, we added markdown preview. We added a lot of like, you can markdownify and import websites and things. We added all of that. But the the basic idea, the stuff that you'll see in Simple Note as well on their web app, that's all from Zachary Shirnov and the original Notational Velocity. And I tried for a long time to always make sure he got the credit, but it eventually... NVAlt like surpassed the <laughs> in the conversations on the web. NVAlt became the norm and I got like overwhelmed trying to make sure he got credit. But I have to say that the beautiful parts of notational velocity are what make up most of NVAlt's popularity now. So why did you feel the desire to develop NVAlt in the first place? It was open source and I was just getting into Xcode, and I thought it was a beautiful app to start working with, and so I started playing with things. And that was like 2010. I published like my first time that I got like a major advance, to it, which was really the uh, the split markdown preview, and then it just kind of blew up from there, and I kind of lost control of it. Oh, wow. But I could never do anything real with it because it was GPL three, and I couldn't make any money on it. But I still like had this passion for developing it. Hmm. So it became NVAlt and I continued to sink time into it. And we're currently working on a commercial replacement. David Halter and I are working on uh, an app store ready version of NVAlt that's rewritten from the ground up and it's coming along very nicely. Now we're going to have links to both the current available copy of NVAlt and Mark 2. Now Mark 2 what context do you normally use this app? You know, if, if you listeners don't understand what this is, this is actually a pretty powerful tool for markdown syntax writers. You know, you open up any kind of text editor and you start writing in marked down. And then if you want to get a fantastic preview of what your marked down would look like, you know, in a variety of different like color schemes, layouts, formats, and styles, you just open up marked and then you can choose from a few. You can get all kinds of statistical information on your document and you can see what it would look like in a web preview just alongside of your other text editor. And now how do you use marked though, Brett? The things that have really developed over the last couple of years in marked are the analytics analysis 
the text analysis tools, the things that show you readability scores and reading time and overused words, cliche words, things like that. Uh, I use it as kind of an as-I-go editing assistant. And it will generally point out things to me that editors for blogs that I write for would normally come back to me with anyway. That was the motivation behind a lot of that was just preventing my own stupid mistakes. But also I use it for PDF output a lot because I like to work in Markdown, but most of the people I work with don't work in Markdown. So sending them a Markdown file is paramount to sending them like a binary <laughs> oh that makes me sad <laughs> so so but it lets me make really good looking pdfs with headers and footers and page numbers and i can send them to uh, professional clients and i'm revamping the docx and rtf export right now that will eventually be up to my standards but right now the pdf output is amazing for sharing so brett what is up to your standards <sighs> you make so many good tools and with such classy refinement, I've used... Uh, but I see, I'm this bizarre mix of perfectionist, like detail-oriented, and then completely blind to obvious UX mistakes. Oh, right. <laughs> I, right. Don't, I, don't, I don't know how to put myself... I'm not great at putting myself in the user's position. I know how to make something that works the way I would want it to, and it's seamless. Okay, now, if I'm painfully honest, I could possibly see what you're describing with Envialt in places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's all over the place. And people point things out to me. and I'll like smack my forehead and like, yeah, duh, that's the way normal people would do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Marked, it's just got to be one of the best tools out there. If you don't uh, know what Marked Down is already, please check that out. I, I don't really want a whole episode about Markdown because it seems like everybody <laughs> has already done that. You know, the Mac Power users have exhausted great information, you know, for anybody who wants to check it out. So check it out. You know, speaking of which, you were on Mark. Uh, no, you were on the Mac Power users some time ago. It's been too long. I actually, I am scheduled to be on in November. There we go. But yeah, it has, it's been, what, a couple of years, I think? Can we just call this a preview of the Mac Powers? Sure. This is what that is now, the unofficial preview. <laughs> Speaking of other podcasts, <laughs> you're on multiples uh, a year, but you also have had two of your own fantastic shows that have been on a variety of networks. Now, we have the Systematic Show and Overtired. Uh, please introduce your own programs. Well, uh, Systematic is probably one of my favorite things I've ever done. It's an interview show, and I've gone out of my way for years now to find guests who don't show up on other tech podcasts, people that I think are doing interesting things and using technology in interesting ways, but would never be on Mac Power users, and no one would have heard of them. Yeah, you did that one thing where for a while you were having just listeners of your show say, you know, hey, I have something I could talk about on the show. Oh, and I still do that. Like half my guests over the last year have been people that at some point have written to me to explain their jobs. In fact, the next one, episode 151, that should be out this week, it, it was a guy who kind of randomly just contacted me and described himself in a minimalist way. And once I started talk to, talking to him, he ended up being one of the most amazing guys I've ever interviewed. Um, I'm really excited about that episode. But yeah, like I, I work to find people that everyone hasn't already heard on 20 different podcasts. Hmm. There are a few people that I do have on that I really enjoy talking to that are very ubiquitous in the podcast world. But uh, Oh, yeah, of course. But the thing about Systematic, too, that I like about it so much, as an interview format, you kept it conversational. Oh, 
organic, we call it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good a, a natural. It doesn't follow an outline. <laughs> you can see that with the uh, the John Roderick series. Oh, which was a blast to do. Yes, I remember those. Yes, Th- those are classics. And Molly Holschlag. We did one episode with Molly, who was like, uh, I would say, godmother of the web. Um, we got one episode, and then she kind of she went dark for a while. She had health issues. But she just got back to me today, and hearing from her after all this time and worrying about what might have happened, I have to say, that's the kind of thing that makes you unable to remember whatever was bothering you for the, like, the rest of the week. Great. I was so relieved and happy. That's going to be a good interview. Yeah, podcasts, they just bring people together. <laughs> Speaking of people, you got overtired, and it's, man, talk about human nature. You laid it all out there. You know, this is a brilliant show you, you have with Chris Grima Warren, you know. Christina, yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. She is, uh, she's crazy. Now, well, both of you are crazy. I feel like y'all have such dedication that in order to produce that podcast, you first have to work yourselves up and get tired, and then you record a show. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so natural for us. And <laughs> I mean, overtired is my reaction to systematic. Like, I love systematic, but... I don't swear. I keep it very PG-13. I don't talk a lot about myself. So Overtired is all about my eccentricities and and I get to talk the way I normally talk and say the words I would normally say. And then Christina's kind of my, like, I would say uh, yin to my yang. Yes, yes. We fill very opposite halves of the Zen circle, especially when we're very, very overtired. I like to think of the show as sort of an after dark to systematic, <laughs> but it's really about you and whoever you have backstage that you happen to bump into, and it happens to be Christina. So that's <laughs> yeah. what it feels like. That sounds about right. Yeah. Now, now one of the things I got to mention here, though, you know, Brett, you, you just, we went through a bunch of things and then they happened over many years and th- the story unfolds. You've had some interesting challenges. And along the way, I have to say, unlike other writers and coders, developers and podcasters, I have to say you've faced some really challenging odds. You've had some interesting difficulties with medications and, you know, um, doctor's visits and various <laughs> pains that I've never gone through. But when you've described them on the shows, it, it blows me away how forthright you are with your listeners and the adversity you've overcome and working insane hours to produce some things you really believe in. You're very passionate. And I, I don't understand how you work together all this consistency for so long. I, I look at the hours in the day I have. You know, you've got pets. I've just got two kids. But I mean, you're, I know your wife deals with the pets a great deal of the time. Yeah. But, but then I'm just like, where, do, where does this guy find the time to write and create something of his own? It's, it's really remarkable. Still, you, you have a voice on Twitter. You really respond to the people that, that follow you and reach out to you. So I really like that about you. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm, this is just a, a shower of praise. I'm sorry. I'm getting mushy. <laughs> No, and I appreciate you saying that. That's that's very nice. Like for me, I don't know any other way to be. Yeah, you and David Sparks. I don't know that I have challenges because I always assumed until recently that everybody had to do what I did as far as like <laughs> overcoming daily mental illness challenges and everything. Uh, it was my mental health, like bipolar disorder and ADHD that was undiagnosed for the first like 23 years of my life. Like that it kind of shaped me. And then so everything I'm doing now, like I've, I started blogging about like all of my programming and design adventures like in the 2000s. 
And I figured as long as I was solving code problems and solving mental health issues, I should blog about both. So I've always just been totally open about that. Uh, the way I like to think of it is that you're one of Batman's arch villains that turned good. <laughs> you know, it, it, that's, that's the Brett Terpster we have now. That would be an interesting uh, follow-up to the, uh, the current... The Gotham show? Yeah, that's been a good show this season. I heard you and Christina talking about it. I'm going to have a show later on. I haven't started. It's, it's in the works, in the pipeline. I'm going to do a show about television and movies, and I think it's one of the shows I'll get into for the sake of review. I, I would love to come on and talk about it. Sweet. Now that we have introductions out of the way, Brett, it's great to have you on our show. Congratulations. You're, you're the, not the 30th guest on our show, but you're in the, the good company with everybody else that's been on Tectonic. It, we're a young show, you know, 30 episodes in. There's been just a few podcasts that really inspired what Joshua and I have on the show. I, I look to the patriarchs like, you know, Mac Power Users, Systematic has been a great inspiration. And then we have friends from like Stephen Hackett at Tech Connected, and uh, we like their materials as well. So we try to do things a little bit differently here. We try to shake things up. We don't want to do the, cover the same topics, but still, sometimes there's just topics that come up that we're very passionate about, and they have to be computer-related. They have to be technology-related. Not always, but that's primarily what Tectonic is all about, right? That's Tectonic with uh, T-E-C-H, so it's about technology. So one of the things I've noticed is that you've talked a great deal about computer peripherals. And this is something that got me worked up <laughs> over the years was using the Apple chiclet keyboards like we have for so many years. I, I've been using Macs since 93. And I've always found it really frustrating what Apple was doing with their mice and with their keyboards. At different times, it would just get so filthy. Do you remember those keyboards they had with the Power Mac G3s? They just got so filthy so fast, all the crumbs and stuff and dust getting down beneath. The mechanical ones? No, it was when they had the larger keys and they were colorful, somewhat transparent and black keys on top. And they were for the desktops. And they were available between like 2000 and 2010. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, th those keyboards felt good, but they just got so dirty so fast. Uh, there's always been something like that with every generation, right? Nowadays, you have these really beautiful, you know, aluminum bodied keyboards with white keys on top. They just refreshed the models. I, I've faced a lot of RSI issues. Now, have you? Yes. Uh, there was a point where I almost couldn't compute anymore. Did you go to one of those ergonomic types? You know what made the difference was uh, changing out mouse for trackpad. Oh. From the day I got a magic trackpad and stopped using a mouse regularly, my right hand was fine. It was my right hand was where the, pr the primary RSI symptoms were. Like I lost feeling in my thumb and forefinger and couldn't move the rest without pain. It was from using the mouse. <sighs> trackpad fixed it. That makes complete sense. Now, I mean, you know, I've used the trackpads off and on. I have one right here and I was using it earlier today. My problem primarily has been around the magic mouse, but I can't really use the magic. Well, I, let me explain. I have see the magic mouse made mine worse. Yeah. Just for the record. Exactly. Okay. So I'm not crazy here. That does not sound very magical. No, no, no. Cause it's lower profile and it makes you move your wrist left and right more. Hmm. It caused all kinds of nerve problems for me. And now, do you ever edit any of your podcasts? You don't really need to. Occasionally? Yeah. With a trackpad, you can get by. Uh, yeah. The only thing, I have a laser trackball for graphic editing. Okay. That's the way I ran for 10 years. Yeah. And the trackball for me is way better than the mouse. 
Yeah, I can see that. I didn't experience any sort of RSI. You, Joshua, you're using the standard, um, I forget, though. what did you tell me? You've got the newer Logitech keyboard, but what for the mouse? Currently, I do, I do have the uh, Magic trackpad, not the new latest and greatest one, but the old, slightly older one. But that was just within the last couple months because you guilted me into it. <laughs> Before that, I, I was kind of of the opinion of whatever's the cheapest $5 mouse I could find. <laughs> don't, don't even think about it. Just get something and run. Yeah, I just I didn't use the computer at, at work a whole or at home a whole lot. So it, it, it was never an issue. But I, I have had issues at work. And, and what I would do is just kind of uh, go back and forth between my left and right hand, you know, and kind of just use my left hand for a couple weeks almost and kind of just hop around. Wait, you're an ambidextrous mouse user? Well, I wouldn't say I'm productive with it, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's still impressive. But it's not like you need to be at work anyway, right? It's government work, so... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I can, I can get by. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone that way. I know the people who like to have a trackpad on the left and a mouse on the right and maybe a trackpad on both sides. I, I just can't see doing that. I currently have the new Magic Trackpad on the left. Really? And the, my standard Magic Trackpad on the right. Mm. When I say standard, I mean last year's model. Yeah. What do you think of it? What do you think of that new one? Oh, it's tough. The trackpad, I feel like I can adjust to. I like the the force touch is, a, it's a huge deal to me. Like the, as the interface in OS X develops to accept more force touch gestures, gestures i wouldn't want to be without it that said the single like the first click before the force touch is so much more sensitive than i'm used to that i'm having a horrible time adjusting my like finger weight to it yeah yeah and i've had to rewrite all of my better touch tool gestures i use a ton of gestures and <sighs> anything you do on my trackpad causes something to happen <laughs> So unexpected gestures cause problems. I really love Better Touch Tool, but I think this might be the first time it's been mentioned. Can you just go ahead and introduce it? Well, basically, Better Touch Tool is a free utility. It, it works with keyboard, mouse, and trackpad, but for trackpad, it lets you extend the number of gestures that you can use to control your computer almost infinitely. Like, for example, if I put two fingers on my trackpad lightly and then tap with one to the left or to the right, I can switch tabs in my web browser. So if I put index and middle down and then tap with my ring finger, it'll switch to the tab to the right in any app. Like that kind of gesture like throughout the system, it, it's really hard to live without once you get really used to it. Now, I don't use it for nearly that much granularity, but just for the mileage you get, if you just add two or three extra gestures, in addition to what you get out of the system preferences, it's it's really worth it. And because it's free, it only takes you a few minutes to customize it, and you can constantly customize it along the way. It's well-supported. It's always getting updates and bug fixes. <laughs> like daily right now. Seriously. I, it, it's The price you pay is muscle memory, though. Like once you get too used to it and then you try to use someone else's computer, you're in trouble. Like that's that's where you pay for it. <laughs> That is very true. I thought you were going to say it was donation where the price you pay is that you just want to give them all your money. Oh, well, I've done that too, but <laughs> yeah. Give me just a second. I want to thank our sponsor and then we'll talk about what we're currently using in the way of keyboards and where we think we'll go from here with the new Magic Trackpad. I want to say my thanks to Thrasher Coffee for supporting Tectonics Podcast and the website. Now, we haven't had a sponsor on here for a good long time, but I think that Thrasher was the sponsor for episode one and maybe episode two. 
Thrasher specializes in freshly roasted whole bean coffees. <clears throat> Seriously, I don't want to say this like I'm having a frog in my throat. <laughs> but Brett, you're one to laugh. You have, yeah, you've had a history with sponsor reads. Interesting. <laughs> okay, here we go again. Thrasher specializes in freshly roasted whole bean coffees that are made to order and delivered straight to your doorstep. Now, Thrasher Coffee is honestly my go-to roaster because I know the team and I think that they are experts. And if all you need is a steady source of ever delicious roasts, they'll set you right up. In just a few clicks at thrashercoffee.com, you get your favorite roasts by the pound and ship to you at their peak freshness. You have all the options that you need to find the amount and frequency of delivery that suits your brewing needs. They can send you coffee by the pound every two or four weeks. And premium online Thrasher coffee does not come at the premium price of other craft roasters. All their roasts are $17.99 plus $5 shipping on the total order. And unlike most small batch roasters coffee by the bag, Thrasher always gives you a true 16-ounce pound of coffee rather than the so-called 12-ounce pound that other roasters pack. So that's 25% more coffee than the competitors will give you with every buck. And here's a special offer they're making to you that I think is scarier than anything that you'll do on Halloween. If you start a subscription before the end of October 31st, Halloween, they will give you a lifetime of free shipping on your coffee subscription. You can't possibly get a better deal. And I think that you have to be insane if you don't give their roast a try with that offer. So my thanks again to Thrasher Coffee for supporting this episode of Tectonic, the podcast and the website. So you're saying that the $5 shipping would be negated for life? Yes. And that's on as many pounds of the coffee as you want to order with your subscription. I'm signing up right now. I'm serious. What's the what's the coupon code? There is no coupon code. It is applicable right now to anyone who sets up a subscription between now and the end of October 31st. Mm. Now, okay, I have to ask, do they send you, like, if you sign up for, say, Prospect, mm -hmm. are they going to send you the exact same roast every time? Or is there a way you can get, like, a variety? Yeah, what they'll do is they'll continue to send you the Prospect roast until you decide to change it to another coffee roast. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So you just keep your subscription going, and I believe you can exchange it for another roast, and you're all set. If, for some reason, you start to see shipping applied, just reach them on customer service, and they'll correct the system. It's one of those WordPress plugins for a web store that I don't entirely trust. Oh, there are no good ones. It's so hard to do e-commerce on your own these days. You're telling me, dude. <laughs> I've been doing it. I've been doing it since Xcart was the only option. I was using Squarespace Commerce uh, for a little while, and the only feature that they were missing that was really gumming up the system for Thrasher's business was that at the time you couldn't set up subscription services. They had everything else out of the box that they needed. So if anyone at Squarespace is listening, like help us out here. I really love your service. I use you for the podcast. We use you for Tectonic. So set this up for craft roasters. I know that there's a lot of people out there that got to want some kind of better subscription service for their web stores. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous that you have to use two different services to pull that off. Oh, don't get me started. Headaches, major headaches for months <laughs> on end. You can pay with Bitcoin for your coffee. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I had I had a Bitcoin, but it was in at Mount Gox and it got stolen. So oh, uh, that sucks. So by the way, uh, Prospect Blend is excellent. Uh, Joe's wife sent us a, a pack, and uh, we have been enjoying that. And I I came home and it was almost gone, and I I had a little fight with my wife. To, told her to stop 
drink, drinking all the good coffee. When I was <laughs> so yeah, I'm actually signing up right now for a pound of prospect. I am <laughs> right now too. I'm, I'm literally clicking select right now. Sweet. But how about, how about that ROI though? I mean, you just had two people sign up before you've even <laughs> really not, you haven't even edited the podcast yet. Wow, that's, that's impressive. That's Quite. a good, good click through rate. <laughs> Thank you guys. We're making it all worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if we can just get all the other sponsors on board with that notion and that whenever we have someone on the show, they're going to use the sponsors, that'd be great. <laughs> so back to the other peripherals on our desk, the trackpads and keyboards, I'm using one of these code mechanical keyboards. Let's see. The model I have is the Cherry MX Clear. The ultra rare Cherry MX Clear Mechanicals key switches are the heart of the code keyboard. These switches, I'm, I'm reading their copy. Obviously. Yeah, I know. These switches are unique in the Cherry line because they combine solid actuation force with quiet, non-click activation, and a nice tactile bump on every keystroke. Now, the reason I prefer a mechanical keyboard like old school is that it kind of gives you a, a pushback. Like after it clicks, it gives you a pushback. So your fingers are bouncing off of the keys. And I kind of dig that. Like what you have with Apple's last generation, non-magical chiclet keyboard was that it gave you like resistance. And then all of a sudden it would give up the pressure and bottom out and your finger would just thud. Then when it wasn't thudding, it was kind of mushy and squishy and wibbly wobbly. So if you leaned a little bit to the left, right, or up or down, the key would wobble. I just kind of one day noticed that maybe I'm oversensitive. Um, I got a confession. Everybody would call me Sloppy Joe, and it's not for any legitimate reason. <laughs> but I just don't like things that are mushy and messy and in the slightest, the suggestion of it. So with the key, the key that was so imprecise, I just, I don't know. It just kept on calling attention to itself. Do you have any sort of personal preference, Brett, for, uh, you got to. <laughs> what do you do for your uh, keyboards? Let's say I have... And I don't often freely admit this, but I have almost a thousand dollars worth of mechanical keyboards in this room right now <laughs> because wow, awesome. I feel like I've always felt like I should love one of them, but I never have. I always come back to these, like the Bluetooth aluminum keyboards that Apple's had for the last, what, like five years. Those have been my favorite, but my obsession started in about... 1999 I, like i got a logitech low profile i want to say de novo edge keyboard my timeline might be messed up but like logitech started putting out these low profile keyboards whereas i had always had a mechanical before that right these low profile ones just blew me away i was typing so much faster and having so much fun and i love the de novo and then i just kind of progressed that was about the time I started using Apple about four years after that. And I kept using the DeNovos with Apple products. And then I found the aluminum Bluetooth and it had the same feel to me. It was more compatible. It had the right keys on it, the, the right, right meta keys. And I, I fell in love with it. But then I started trying mechanical keyboards to find the right one and started with way back with like a Matthias. Matthias is where I started too. Yeah, I have like three Matthias keyboards here and a DOS keyboard, the newer DOS with a like useless plastic dial on it. And I have an Ergo Docs that I've been programming over and over again for months now. Have you ever seen the Ergo Docs? No, what is it like? Is it kind of like DOS? Mm, no, it's a split keyboard. 
Oh. And then instead of a space bar, it has a cluster under each thumb. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six keys for each thumb. No. Which is way more useful than having one key for two thumbs. Totally. Yeah. So I'm in love with the idea and it's got a a little Arduino teensy in it and you can program the keys at the hardware level to send anything you want. And then you have six layers so I can have a key like where my normal hyper key would be, which is my caps lock key. I can hit that and switch to like layer two and then reprogram all the keys again and you can have like uh, keys that toggle layers. So you can like, if I hold down my hyper and my second hyper key, then my J, K, L, and I keys turn into uh, an arrow pad. So do W, A, S, D, <laughs> et cetera. Like, so you can go nuts with it and spend like all your time <laughs> making the ideal keyboard. And I have, uh, I have cherry clears on it and it feels great. And I've just, I don't know. I just keep coming back to the Bluetooth aluminum. And, you know, I just had the inspiration for another show, and this is bad. <laughs> here, here's the idea. I'm just going to pitch this once. Brett can talk about keyboards, and Marco Arment, his co-host, can talk about microphones. And the other co-host, we got Federico Vitici, can always talk about iPads. Like That covers everything. Yeah, except we haven't even gotten into the fact that I have two power mates and a shuttle and a leap motion and a trackball. And this is all on my desk right now. And you kind of rotate them throughout the week, right? I use what makes sense at the time. But some of these, like the Bluetooth PowerMate, it's an aspirational product on my desk because I don't find it as useful as the old USB version. Hmm. Yeah. So, so it's like, I keep thinking I want to use it so it doesn't leave my desk. Can you imagine going back to just one I mean, I got bit. I have the Quiet Pro, the Matthias Quiet Pro, and before that, I had another Matthias, and before that, another Matthias, and 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 then I tried the DOS for a while. DOS were awesome, but I couldn't get over the fingerprints because it's all of like a slick, plasticky shell. It's it's very glossy. Yeah, uh, the shell around the keys is yeah. But now I'm really happy with the the slim profile. This is a ten keyless uh, board. And it's it's really nice. I just really like it. But that being said, really comfortable with these mechanical keyboards. I'm really tempted by the Magic Keyboard. I, I like its low profile. I've tried the keyboard on the MacBook, what I, I would like them to call the MacBook One, like Marco. I like the keys. I don't think they'd be my personal preference for all the time use. But anything that calls attention to what my hands are doing helps me with my RSI issues. Sure. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not a, um, what do you call it? A touch typist or is it, which one is it? The one where you're watching your fingers glide across the keys and you're not That's looking at the screen. Yeah. I'm not a hunt and pecker like David Sparks. I'm, I'm actually pretty good with just looking up at the screen at this point. But what I do is I stop paying attention to what my hands are doing and they, they just get bad posture and I start banging on the keyboard more than I should. And then that causes my RSI issues. Do you want my tips? I have tips. Please. I have a lot of experience with this. All right. First, get a keyboard tray. Interesting. That hangs under your desk. And get there, there are ones that are called uh, six-way keyboard trays. Yeah. And they literally rotate in any direction. So you can always make sure they're perfectly perpendicular to your body. And you can raise them to a level where your elbows... So your arms are at like perfect 90 degree bends. Right, right. And then you pull your keyboard up to the edge so you have no place to put your wrist. <laughs> awesome. And that's that's paramount because if you have a wrist rest or you rest your wrist, you're automatically in bad typing posture. Yes, yes. So if you bring your keyboard right up to the front edge and you're forced to keep your wrists up, 
you can stop thinking about it and, and you'll just type and you're and as long as you have that 90 degree bend you won't kill yourself the second part is making sure your monitor is adjusted to height properly but that keyboard trick made all the difference for especially my wrists and pinky fingers on both sides you know i, I really hope that mike hurley hears this episode he's got some problems going <laughs> on right now you know i really like the notion of the new trackpad and I'm just wary that, you know, you say that trackpads have saved you from some of your RSI. That's great to hear. So I think that I'm going to try to use my trackpad as much as I can. I have the first generation. I just haven't left it. I've let it collect dust for a long time. I really need to get back into the habit of using it because I'm noticing the, the pain in my right hand. What is it that you think, uh, I guess, helped you with the RSI? I mean, is it the fact that your hand isn't kind of wrapped around something that you can kind of keep it flat? It's the horizontal twisting. Okay. Like with a mouse, like if you hold your wrist perfectly still to use a mouse, you're you're leaning your hand left and right. Gotcha. That was where most of my pain was coming from. With the trackpad, my wrist stays pretty much like my fingers are always straight forward from my wrist. And it's like it's within a very stationary like six by six inch area. Hmm. That works well for me. Same same with the trackballs though. Like that had the same effect for me. Yes, the same here. I really enjoy trackballs. And the ones that had all the extra buttons that you could program on them, those were super nice. They just don't make trackballs like they used to. Logitech used to make really crazy good hardware and horrible Mac software. And then their Mac software got better, and they decided to start removing buttons from everything. Yeah. It was depressing. The Logitech, the old MX Pro. Yes. That mouse, I have three of them. My toddlers destroyed the inner workings of the the buttons so. <laughs> yeah i just sold a, a logitech uh, trackball today to a local computer star collector's item yeah the other half of this is getting uh, a microprocessor controlled standing desk that converts now clarify so i have a next desk ah and i can sit at it and i have a, a very nice ergonomic chair like these were things that I considered business investments. Oh yeah. <laughs> like when for I went the independent for the freelancer, for the programmer. Ah, oh, come on. Even before independence, like this was, this was vital to my survival. If I was going to work on computers for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So I got a nice chair at Chadwick and then uh, I got this next desk and it has a little microprocessor controller on pneumatic struts. I have three presets and then an up and down arrow and I can raise and lower the desk in seconds perfectly smoothly without even making my coffee ripple. Wow. So I can go from a standing desk down to a sitting desk, and then I have a lifespan treadmill. So when it's up in standing desk mode, I can flip the treadmill down and walk like a two-mile-per-hour pace over four hours. It'll get you some pretty good miles on your Apple Watch, and you can still type. You know what this reminds me of is those adjustable hospital beds, but it's it's way better because you're going to spend more time on it every day. It keeps you from ending up in a hospital bed. I can see that. <laughs> ah, beautiful state of the art. Oh, then go look up Minority Report Desk on my blog. <laughs> and there is video of me using the treadmill with the Leap Motion controller. It's pretty crazy. I'm looking this up right now. Ah, oh, dude. There it is. It's worth it. Ah, uh, and you got a video. <laughs> Your screencaster too. Well, yeah, I tried to explain it once and then I decided I'd just put a, a video up because it was way easier. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, in the last few minutes, we just got a few minutes left. I want to segue into what we're doing on the display, sitting on that beautiful desk. You're just a jack of all trades. And it cannot go without saying, 
as a blogger, you're a fantastic blogger, but I get the impression you're just one of these people that's a, a, a note taker, a blogger, a coder. You do it all. You're not a screenwriter too, are you? <laughs> I've worked with screenwriters, but I've never written a screenplay, no. Okay, so you basically know how to do their job. That's what you're saying. I, I've had to study it, yes. Okay, okay. What do you prefer to do now in this age? I mean, you've got NVAlt on its last legs before the new version, and then Apple comes out with new versions of Notes for all the platforms. What do you do now for your Notes and your coding, and then just your general purpose writing for the web? Those are three. Those are three different things. They could be very different beasts, but they all boil down to one thing for me: plain text. And Markdown counts as plain text to me. As long as everything is stored in plain text files, I'm fine. I can shift to anything because I can script and import in Evernote. That's why I left Evernote is it was too sandboxed before sandboxing was a Mac thing. Yes. But my data was not easy to move into another app and it Mm -hmm. became very isolated. And that's when I decided from now on, everything is in plain text, plain text that's existed since computers were born. And will continue to exist long after Microsoft Word and DocX are not a thing anymore. And that's what NVAlt is designed to work with. And I can import those into Notes should I want to, although they're a little harder to get out of Notes. Speaking about like Apple Notes. But as long as everything's in plain text, I can go anywhere. Like I can work on iOS. I can work on my desktop. I can work in a text editor. I can work in NVAlt. Like my notes, half my notes come from the command line. But when you say plain text, you don't just mean that you open up pages, don't bother to format anything and start typing and leave everything in body content format. No. You mean literal plain text files. ASCII text files. Yes. With Unix carriage returns or Unix line endings, no carriage returns. That's the stuff that Indiana Jones used. <laughs> I don't think the kids, the new kids on the block know even what you're speaking of. This is this is foreign. It, it kind of is, but I mean, text edit, if you turn rich text editing off and text edit, you have plain text files. Which is the first thing you should do when you set up a Mac. It depends. Well, see, yeah, for me, everything starts in plain text and then gets converted, usually via markdown to rich text for other people. But I never work in plain text. I mean, never work in rich text other than iBooks author, which has been a huge point of frustration for me. Oh, wow. I could see that. Yeah, that's a walled garden for sure. Because iBooks author offers no way to like import or export text. You have to write it in iBooks author Hmm. if you want it to look right. What's an example of work that you've done in iBooks author? I did a book with uh, David Sparks from Mac Power Users. Uh, If you look up 60 tips on the iBooks store, that is the one that is published that is actually findable these days. I'm working on a couple of others right now, one a children's book and one a book on tagging that's been in the process for, well, like two years now that everyone keeps asking me about and I'll get it done, but I decided to focus on the NVLT replacement for the time being. Oh yeah. I'll stop asking. I'll stop creating (laughs) dummy accounts and asking you anonymously for the tagging book. But yeah, definitely plain text is like the key to notes and I can, I'm confident with that because I'm portable. Like I can move on to whatever's next because plain text can go anywhere. Yeah. And it's going to last a long time. I just don't see it going anywhere for the rest of our days. It can't go anywhere unless we move completely away from everything that we know about operating systems right now. 
Yeah, on an infinite time scale, maybe. Plain text will always be at the base of it. Yeah. <laughs> when everything is holographic and no longer based on binary systems, yeah. When we're using Jarvis and, uh, yeah, Tony Stark <laughs> products, yeah. I'm pretty sure Jarvis used text files. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd never see them. Yeah, but Siri has them. That's what she re- references, for sure. Yes. Well, this has been a whirlwind. It's not very often that we just have someone that can talk about everything. It's been an overtired episode. <laughs> yeah, this is um, an honorary episode of Overtired, if you're okay with saying that. Sure. Now, I noticed you haven't produced a couple of shows lately. I really hope you can get it going again. We need more systematic in our lives. Yes, there are some. Yeah, we're in talks right now. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I understand. Hey, I'm in talks too with other shows that are going on. <laughs> I have uh, we have plans that are incubating that have been going on for months. My friend TJ Draper and I, we came to the end of uh, the series Movie Bites. We had 150 episodes and felt really good about them, and we were ready to reboot the show with some aspirations for where we wanted to take it for the future. But because he's a brilliant coder like yourself, I guess uh, it's just one of those things that comes with the trade. We have to set them some things on the back burner and incubate other ideas. And one of these days, it's going to come together. Yeah, I, I can feel your pain. An excess of ideas is never a bad thing. Just frustrating to other people. Yeah. Hey, people, just don't, don't rush us. <laughs> just don't rush us. Wait. Podcasts will come. Or just go back to the backlog. Check out a Systematic and Overtired. They're great shows. Uh, Brett, you want to tell people where you'd like them to find you online? I am T.T. Scoff, T-T-S-C-O-F-F, everywhere. GitHub, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere. And then brettterpstrud.com, which you can also get to by just going to ttscoff.com. So that's everywhere. And that'll link to like, uh, currently, yeah, systematic and overtired on ESN, backlogs on 5x5, and all my projects are on brettterpstrud.com. Brett, thanks for joining us. It's been a blast. I, I really am glad I got to have you for an episode like 30. That sounds like a milestone. Thanks for having me. Yeah, nice, a nice round number. That's great. And hey, Joe, did you uh, get that URL sloppyjoe.com yet? Since that's your, your new nickname. <sighs> You'll probably have to go for like sloppyjoe27, but <sighs> you can get it. Or .biz, maybe. Or .xyz. Sure. .xxx. That would... Ooh. <laughs> That could probably lead to other things. I'm sorry. That really sounds appealing. That one is probably already taken. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What has happened to the show? Oh, wow. All right. Are you all ready to start? These things escalate <laughs> quickly. Okay, well then, this will end episode 30. If you'd like to retrieve the show notes and links, you can find them at tectonic.fm slash 30. If you want to chat with us, the show is tectonic.fm on Twitter. I'm underscore Joe Darnell. And my co-host is Joshua Pfeiffer, just like it sounds. Oh, well, P- Pfeiffer's kind of hard. P-E-I-F-F-E-R. Sloppyjosh.com is where you can get me. Sloppyjosh.com. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's the sister site. Okay. You can send feedback and questions by email to hello at tectonic.fm. I am Joe Darnell. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tectonic. So sloppyjoe.com is available.
What? Or <laughs> click here to buy sloppyjoe.com. What? what? No. What? <laughs> that could be your thing, man. That could be your... Oh, no. Your your brand, your new brand. It's like a, I'm in a bizarro world or something. Oh, sloppyjoe.xyz is on sale right now. Sloppyjoe.design? That sounds... Wow. That's marketable. 